So you always want to be prepared to... To set goals. To be really disruptive. Diversity is fundamental. It is just trusting those super strengths. To recover from those failures and, and learn from them. Humility looks like the softest word, but it's kind of the hardest. We ourselves are in beta mode. Life goes on. Sporting Edge, inside the mind of champions. Welcome to the Inside the Mind of Champions podcast. My name is Jeremy Snape. I'm a former England cricketer with a master's degree in sports psychology. Since retiring, I've been fortunate to work with and interview some of the world's most successful thinkers and performers. And I'm passionate about translating their habits and routines into practical strategies to help you become more successful. In each episode, I'll be dissecting a common performance challenge to help you improve your mindset, your leadership and your team performance. To me, our mindset is the next frontier. So let's find out why. Hello and welcome to episode 30 of Inside the Mind of Champions, IPL Insights. I'm recording this episode 13 years to the day since the Rajasthan Royals won the inaugural Indian Premier League. I thought it was a good time to prompt a reflection on that incredible yet unlikely victory, which remains one of the greatest fairy tales in cricket. Before we get cracking, I just want to take this opportunity to remind you about the special offer we've created for our flagship leadership programme starting on the 14th of May. It's half price to help ambitious execs, entrepreneurs and coaches to navigate the challenges of the next six months and I'll be personally guiding the cohort from all around the world through these incredible digital insights, some of which you're going to hear today. So if you're looking to boost your decision making and confidence as a leader, then check out our Winning Mindset for Leaders programme on sportingedge.com. I'll add a link into the show notes as well, so you've got a fast link to get in there and you can take advantage of this special COVID-19 support offers and invest in yourself. In this episode, we're going to be hearing from some of the great players and coaches that I met during my six or seven seasons at the Indian Premier League and applying their stories back to our own context. So don't worry if you're not a massive cricket fan. This isn't a summary of the latest league standings and results. There's going to be loads of great mindset and leadership insights here for you to apply to your own career. Here's a taster of what's to come. I was very lucky to play in an era of Australian cricket that was super successful. Um, and I was very lucky to be successful too. But I think 2008 IPL where was something unique. In our world, you know, the, the more successful you get, the more chaos it comes, becomes around you, you know, the more people that want a piece of that pie, the more people that have information. And you kind of just need to stay on that path as a team and saying, well, that's where I'm going. What we're doing is working for us. You know, yes, we've lost the game, but we've got to stay on that path of, you know, to, towards our goal. You kind of have to just deal with what is right in front of you right now. And the best way to do that is just to go back to what you believe in, what you've trained, what you've practiced over and over again, back that you know how to do it, back that you have put in the practice in the yards that you are going to execute that skill 100%. A lot of Leaders, coaches, especially in a cricketing sense, when they go into a into a new job, when they 
uh, charged with uh, with coaching, a, especially an international side. Um, it is very easy for you to to make the mistake of, of going in there with preconceived ideas, uh, with preconceived notions, um, and to then impose your vision, um, your way of how things should be done. This is what teamwork, collective competition is all about. When you can get your individuals um, all geared up, knowing that they're just as nervous as you when you played your first match and all that sort of stuff, you have a part to play in making sure that bond remains. So I'm recording this after hearing the worrying news about the surge in COVID-19 cases across India. It sounds like things have been really escalating in recent days and the cases have swamped the local hospitals that are running desperately low on oxygen. I know that a number of international support initiatives have kicked off, so I really hope that the Indian medical teams and authorities can bring the things within manageable limits very soon. The importance of sport at this time pales into insignificance when we've got a crisis like this, but knowing how much India loves their cricket, I hope that the IPL bubble can remain intact and that this year's games can continue safely for all concerned. Maybe the government can use the attention on the games to reinforce the safety and social distancing messages. I also saw that Pat Cummins has donated $50,000 of his match fees to a local hospital for oxygen. That's an absolutely brilliant and generous gesture. Let's hope the rest of the owners, players and sponsors can help out too to get some vital funds and resources into the Indian medic's hands. Cricket has the power to galvanise communities across social and financial divides. So hopefully the game can do something special for its adoring and the biggest fan base in the world at this great time of need. So I'm going to wind the clock back to April 2008 now when I was invited to fly out to India in the pre-season phase of my final playing year in 2008. A highly successful businessman and entrepreneur from London called Manoj Badali had just bought one of the key franchises in the IPL and was recruiting his backroom team for the Royals. Manoj had been involved with a number of the commercial elements of Leicestershire cricket and trying to bring these new innovative ideas to the marketing side of the business. And we'd had a number of great chats about Leicestershire's 2020 strategy because we were early victors in the English version of the T20 League. Incidentally, it's worth mentioning at this point that Manoj Badali's written an amazing book last year called A New Innings, which explores the business side of the IPL and sport. So if you're interested in the commercial mechanics of ownership, the auction, the TV deals and how the whole IPL was brought about through Lalit Modi, then it's well worth a read. So again, I'll put a, a link in the show notes for you so that you can get straight to that book and buy it for your collection. So Manoj asked me to fly out to India and take a look at how his new team were shaping up. His iconic player coach was the great Shane Warne, and he was backed up by the fellow Victorian Darren Berry as his coach. I was meant to be there for just 10 days before returning to the early season county games back in England. But after that early 10-day burst working with the coaches and the team, I was asked to stay on for what would become one of the most exciting coaching assignments I've ever undertaken. Warney obviously had a stellar career in an amazing side with Australia, 
but this opportunity to lead the brand new Rajasthan Royals team created a special memory for him as we can now hear. I was very lucky to play in an era of Australian cricket that was super successful. Um, and I was very lucky to be successful too. But I think 2008 IPL where was something unique because we all play for teams and you're all Australian or you're, well, you couldn't say you're all English because there's about eight South Africans and whatever else. But the most of the, the, the countries we played against were all from that country. So you all thought the same. With um, the IPL, we had six different cultures. So how do we manage the six cultures? We've all got the common goal of we want to win the IPL. But there were different things that make each other tick. Some were just in order to take the most wickets and wear the purple hat for leading wicket takers. Others were about the money. Others wanted to prove how good they were on the cricket field. So there's so many different things. So we had 10 days to sort of work out how do we get this group together? There was, there was language barriers, there was cultural barriers. How do you get them all together to think the same and be on the same bus, same train or whatever it might be? And I think the one element of it was fun. How do we all have fun? And there was a lot of different little things that built up to that. Like, uh, I think you came up with one of a great suggestion that was to sit next to someone different on the bus each day so you got to know them. And that's not actually easy. You always like to sit in your comfort zone next to the guy you like. But I think one of the major things about those six different cultures, about everyone together, was that enjoying other people's success was about what we had to try and get them to get to. And by doing that, it's when they have success, when someone has success, it's all of you saying, well done. Like really patting them on the back and making something super special out of that person. And then the next time, super special, everyone had their sort of chance. And it wasn't necessarily the guy who got the most runs or the most wickets. It was something that might've been really little, like dive and stop the boundary. So you'd highlight people that for not the big stuff, but the little things that were really important to our group. And we had little things that were super important, non-negotiable things. This is what we're gonna do today. And our effort's gonna be 100%. We're gonna die for every ball. We have two people to fence. And then you congratulate the whole group to that. So you got, it was little things that end up making the big things great. And the little things like having fun and doing everything together, like literally everything together was, um, yeah, it was just, it was a special time. And, but the individuals have to take that responsibility as well to buy into it. So Warney never really had a chance to captain Australia, but this fresh leadership challenge in 2008 came at the perfect time. He was in the twilight of his elite and international career, and this was a chance for him to leave a final mark on the game. A number of key elements collided. The startup energy of a brand new global event, the competitive juices that he's always had against his old mates like Sachin and Gilchrist and Glenn McGrath, and then the razzmatazz and the spectacle of the after parties. The IPL in those early years was like a different world to anything else that any of us had seen before, and Warney, for one, took full advantage. I think we realised more than any other franchise about the power of teamwork. We lost our first game to the Delhi Daredevils, and as the cheapest team in the competition, at a mere 67 million US dollars, we looked like we were underpowered. But instead, we worked on being underdogs. We reframed that fear of failure into something much more positive. 
Warney's leadership was truly inspirational. I'll never forget seeing the look on some of the youngsters' faces as he spoke in the team meetings. They couldn't believe that they were playing in the same team as the legendary Shane Warne. Added to that, that many of them were partying with him late into the night and the lads were having the time of their lives. So in some of those early games, Warney himself hit the winning runs in a game with Andrew Simons. He absolutely loved it. And he mentioned that we needed to find a way to gel this team together quickly so that we could be the stronger team under pressure. And while most of the news in the opposition was about the salaries of individual stars and the head-to-head battles between two iconic players, we saw our culture as a competitive advantage. We looked for a common ground and a common story. We needed something that would symbolise that. Now, none of us had any sense of belonging to Jaipur because we'd all flown in just a few days before. We were staying at a nice but fairly sterile international hotel. We needed something more and and Rajasthan is famous for its beautiful sandstone fortresses where these resilient nomadic and resilient people defended their territory with their lives. This was a timeless story that any of us could relate to wherever we were from around the world. So we used this as an anchor point to our narrative, this home ground of Fortress Jaipur And we'd stop people invading as we told stories over dinner about how we'd been resilient and courageous as underdogs in our various schools and clubs and and international teams on our own home soil. And these shared stories became part of the narrative that we built around. And that idea of being the underdogs, being resilient and being brilliant at defending Fortress Jaipur meant that we went on to win all our home games in the group stages and went on to win the final. Warney was truly amazing and gave our youngsters so much confidence to play with courage and freedom. And we had some incredible victories with players like the young Ravindra Jadeja bursting onto the scene. He'd recently been in the Indian under-19s team and Warney was one of the first people to spot his raw talent giving him the nickname Rockstar, and he's done just that, become one of India's key talents across all forms of the game and is a central part of CSK's armoury today. One of the other key players in that Rajasthan side from 2008 onwards was the South African cricket captain Graham Smith. Graham hadn't always seen eye to eye with Warney in their international encounters. They were both particularly alpha, combative characters, But as Warney mentioned, spending time informally, getting to know each individual in the team paid dividends on the field. We had excursions to stunning landmarks like Amber Fort and we even met the Maharaja for high tea. These were different experiences that built a common connection, whether you were from New Zealand, Cape Town or Delhi. But having players with the experience of Graham Smith was priceless when it came to building a team that could withstand criticism and pressure when things didn't go to plan. His ability to share his experiences and mentor the players through tough times to keep that team focused both on their individual roles and what we needed to do as a strategy together was a key strength that he brought to the team. I think your core fundamentals as a team is crucial. You know, you, you must know the path that you're going on. I mean, in our world, you know, the, the more successful you get, 
the more chaos it comes it becomes around you, you know, the more people that want to piece that pie, the more people that have information. And you kind of just need to stay on that path as a team and saying, well, that's where I'm going. What we're doing is working for us. You know, yes, we've lost the game, but we've got to stay on that path of, you know, to, towards our goal, you know. Um, and, you know, the minute you start allowing that person to pull you there, that person to pull you there, you lose focus of your end, your end goal, you know. And, uh, you know, you need to surround yourself with, with good people that are honest with you, that can add value to, to you, um, you know. And I think that's, that's a crucial part. But, I mean, it never gets easy dealing with, you know, if the abuse you get or, you know, if you feel you're misunderstood or, you know, that's something that you just have to have a thick skin with. We'll say, you know, it comes with a job. It, it gets to you sometimes. It upsets you. You know, you lose a bit of confidence. You sometimes get scared to walk down the streets if you've had a bad loss because you're worried about what this person's going to say to you. But ultimately, you just work your way through those things and, you know, you get stronger as, as you go on. Your skin gets thicker. And you know that there's something bigger that you're a part of that you've been lucky to, to be in, you know. And you're going somewhere with some a group of people that you know is going to have a special outcome. So this special two-month adventure was incredible to be a part of. We started off as complete strangers, but over these seven or eight weeks, everyone started to build these lifelong friendships with people like Warney and, and Graham that had previously been adversaries, were now mates for life. So in those old silos of the international teams, we rarely got to see the real people behind that brand facade that people put on, apart from maybe a, a quick beer at the end of a tour in the opposition's dressing room. But the IPL brought a completely new environment where some of the world's best players were talking, eating and training together. They sparked off each other and with that internal competition, the youngsters got to pick up some fascinating insights on how to play the game at the top level by osmosis. The IPL created a fertile new knowledge exchange and the world's game benefited as a result. So we need to move outside the Rajasthan Royals camp for our next insight. It comes from one of Graham's countrymen, Dale Stain. I had the privilege of working with Dale and Graham through this Rajasthan's experience as I joined the backroom coaching team of South Africa for two to three years from about 2008 onwards. I watched Dale rise to be the number one ranking bowler in the world, a terrifying fast bowler on the pitch and a humble and relaxed guy off it. Dale had a stellar IPL career with the Royal Challengers Bangalore, playing alongside Virat Kohli, A.B. de Villiers and the powerful Chris Gale, one of the best teams in the IPL to watch. Dale was all fire in his early career, but as he matured, he was able to control his emotions more and turn the aggression up and down as it was needed in the game. His ability to balance intensity with brilliant skill execution was his hallmark. But as he now explains, that comes with a huge amount of discipline and practice, because when you have to bowl at the death in the final over of an IPL game in front of a deafening home crowd, you need to stay calm and focused and trust your skills. This is no time for doubt. You start off building a house one brick at a time. You know, you, you run a marathon one step at a time. I guess it's the next challenge that lies right in front of you that matters most. You know, you have to 
handle that next step. You have to handle that next brick with its challenges that it comes. And that is the only thing that you can worry about. And once you conquer that, you're allowed to move on to the next step, the next brick, the next delivery, whatever it is that you're doing. You kind of have to just deal with what is right in front of you right now. And the best way to do that is just to go back to what you believe in, what you've trained, what you've practiced over and over again, back that you know how to do it, back that you have put in the practice in the yards that you are going to execute that skill 100% and then you just got to go with it. Um, there's no other way to do it, I guess. You just have to back that you, you know how to do that thing and you have to go for it. This leads on to one of the things that I found hardest to balance about the Indian Premier League because as we sit in our armchairs at home watching the games, we sometimes don't appreciate how much time and travel is going on between the different fixtures. There are multiple buses and plane trips, transitions to move from city to city every three days with hundreds of bags of kit to unpack. Getting the balance between the physical and mental recovery needed along with the focused skill execution at match intensity is a really hard balance to strike. 2020 cricket is all about innovation and finding new ways to prepare and play in this challenging and dynamic schedule. For years before 2020 changed the demands on cricketers, bowlers would just walk over to the training area with their boots, bowl for an hour or so until they felt either good or too tired, and then this old school approach to preparation needed rethinking to meet the demands of the modern game. The IPL asked a different question, not can you get yourself into a rhythm to bowl, but can you be ready in a split second to make an impact on the game within 30 seconds? Can you be ready to bowl at any point when your captain calls you? Can you make an impact with your first ball and make it land in the perfect position under pressure? So when we think like that about the question that's really been asked in 2020 cricket, every ball takes on a new level of importance. We may need to bowl just six balls in the game, but every one of those balls needs to have potency and it's less about our physical stamina. So one of the training ideas that I brought in to boost this was to get bowlers to go and do their regular fielding training and then almost be called into the nets to bowl for just six balls. And this wasn't their favoured style, as you can imagine, because people wanted to sit into their own rhythm and do it how they've always done it. But the occasional sessions like this, where bowlers had to be ready to deliver straight away, turned their mind on as much as improved their accuracy. So whether it's the ability for a fast bowler to execute the perfect Yorker or for a batsman to play the aggressive scoop shot, the IPL has had a massive impact on all players' ability to play under pressure. With huge crowds and big prizes at stake, we've seen risk-taking and skill execution develop year on year, and this is carried over into the one-day and test match arena too. Talking about delivering results under pressure, here's a little bit more information on our Winning Mindset for Leaders programme, which starts on the 14th of May. In times of uncertainty, change and pressure, good leadership is a game changer. 
The Winning Mindset for Leaders is a pioneering digital coaching program which will equip you with the mindset and skills you need to lead yourself, your team, and your organization through turbulent times. With insights from world-class strategists, academics, and leaders from elite sport, the military, performing arts, and business, these essential skills will keep you ahead of the game. Find out more about this transformational 12-week program at www.sportingedge.com or email hello at sportingedge.com. The winning mindset for leaders. We've had around a thousand leaders graduate from this program in the last few years with amazing feedback and testimonials about how it's boosted their self-awareness and confidence as a leader. These are really uncertain times, so I'm really hoping you can join me and this great global cohort for the live webinars and access to over 700 different insights on leadership strategy. The program is normally £1,000 plus VAT per head, but we've got a one-off special price of 499 plus VAT for the May cohort to support as many people as we can through this challenging period. So if you want a flexible and inspirational experience, then this will fit perfectly into your diary. Follow the link in the show notes and I really look forward to welcoming you as part of the May cohort. I've been so privileged to meet some incredible performers and leaders as part of my work through Sporting Edge. And this is another reason why working at the IPL was such a privilege. I've met some incredible people and some of the world's best coaches through those interactions. And it's not just the players that were recruited in and and handpicked for their skills that they bring. The coaches and the backroom teams in the IPL are full of some absolute stars as well. I had a year working with the Delhi Daredevils and the great Sir Vivian Richards was in the backroom team and I had the chance to watch him go about his business firsthand. He's got this incredible aura and voice. You sense him walk into the room and he creates a calm, you know, belief and and focus that's difficult to replicate. The IPL, like all major sporting events, brings a huge level of pressure And when teams are struggling, their heads can drop pretty fast and that can spread with contagion around the dressing room. Having somebody with such natural confidence like Viv Richards around to tackle those things head on is a massive boost. Here's Viv talking about his management style in sensing that when teams are under pressure. I had an idea, especially our philosophy, whenever we were performing and Take, for instance, test matches. Uh, I would um, walk onto the bus and you look at individuals, you know, it's, you can see maybe a couple of days leading up before that particular occasion, guys are all jovial and you can see guys all blah, 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 and all of a sudden you say test match and everyone looks like, wow, wow. So sometimes you jump in the bus and, or the coach and you ask and say, well, are we in mourning or something? Some, um, have we lost some, someone I, that I don't know anything of? And you look at the faces and you try and get to those individuals who you think are a little tense and the the funny side of stuff, uh, I guess, um, just to clear the air and you, you, as West Indians, we we always have some little jive at each other and you you try and get that individual to come out of whatever he's feeling and then finally when you do that yourself, when you see that particular change in that individual because of some of the stuff that goes on and around in terms of trying to 
to help him to dream up, you'll ask the question, uh, excuse me, um, tell me something. You're looking so tense this morning, man. And tell me how you're feeling. And you want to get that reaction from that individual. He will tell you, man, man, it's my first match. And, and you know, just feel a little tense and blah, 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 blah. Then after, you, you get to understand that everyone goes through, goes through that feeling. And it is your job and guys in the, the seniority position to, to make sure that individuals, because of them being through that, those stages, you expect sometimes your senior individuals to, to play a huge role in helping just to, to pull along. This is what teamwork, collective competition is all about. When you can get your individuals um, all geared up, knowing that they're just as nervous as you when you played your first match and all that sort of stuff, you have a part to play in making sure that bond remains. So that's another key challenge of the IPL. It's a pressure cooker for two months back to back. Even before the pandemic forced this to be a biosecure bubble, the pressure of being with the same people weeks in and weeks out is a real challenge. Add to this the need to be tested every day and being isolated in hotel rooms and sit on your own during mealtimes and it's easy to see why some players have opted out of this year's test match tours, one day tours and IPL. The coaches and backroom teams need to be like social detectives, constantly picking up in the mood in the camp and the relationships between individuals. The last thing we want when we're travelling around under pressure is for things to be buried under the surface like a volcano and then blow up on a match day when there's just no time to recover. So reading the tension levels and stepping in with a well-timed joke or a one-to-one -one conversation is an essential skill for the elite coach. Another legend of the global game who's now gone into coaching is Kumar Sangakkara. Kumar had a brilliant career with Sri Lanka and also played for the Punjab Kings, the Deccan Chargers and the Sunrisers Hyderabad in the IPL. He's now the head coach of the Rajasthan Royals and they'll be benefiting hugely from all the wisdom and skill that he's amassed through his exceptional playing career. I was very lucky to work with Kumar and the South African cricket team as they prepared for the 2015 World Cup in Australia and New Zealand and I learnt so much from his calm and insightful approach. I'm sure he'll make a brilliant coach in his career. Here's an insight into his philosophy of what a great leader does with teams. A lot of leaders, coaches, especially in a cricketing sense, when they go into a, into a new job, when they are charged with, uh, with coaching, a, especially an international side, um, it is very easy for you to to make the mistake of, of going in there with preconceived ideas, uh, with preconceived notions, um, and to then impose your vision, um, your way of how things should be done and, and how things should be, um, and not spend enough time really observing, um, looking at the resources you have, looking at your personnel, looking at the, the culture, observing how people work, how the culture works, how the administration works, um, how people work with each other and relate to each other, um, how they are as individuals really, their uniqueness as individuals, their strengths, their weaknesses, uh, and then understanding how and in which way you can add and improve 
the abilities that are already there. Uh, then it's about communication, building lines of trust, building a relationship with those players, one-on-one -on -one as individuals and then as a collective team, getting them involved and engaged in making decisions, getting the core um, unit together and, and getting them to be responsible for the decisions that they are making in preparation to play and also making them feel very much a part of where that team is going so that when they set themselves a goal and an ambition um, they immediately um, feel a sense of ownership, a sense of belonging, uh, a sense of unity and togetherness in trying to, to, to achieve their goal. And then the decisions they make both on and off the field become that much more effective and that much more wholesome. Um, and that spreads. Um, and um, connecting. Um, connecting with your players. Um, ensuring that they genuinely believe that they are in an environment where there is genuine care and support for them uh, in, the, in pursuing a, a certain goal or ambition, that the risk they take, the mistakes they made, are then addressed in a compassionate manner, uh, where there is a, a, a genuine care in, in terms of addressing um, you know, the thought processes, the, the work process that went into that particular decision um, and then enabling you as a coach and a leader to give a players options where you then lead them into um, choosing the right one for them and then of course um, the team. Understanding individuals and players in the team is very important because then it allows you to customize training environments, uh, customize um, the way you actually speak to them and how you relate to them. Um, how some need a bit of compassion, love and support, other need, uh, another might need a bit of toughness, a, a bit of uh, a reality check. Um, everyone's different and you need to be open to, to that difference and to understand that you need to work with that difference and actually celebrate those differences and in that achieve uh, ultimate unity and, and success. So that's a lesson that we can all learn from, that ability to push and pull I've been speaking to lots of business leaders recently about how to navigate change when you're working with people remotely. We've done lots of webinars on this topic and it's all about trying to understand the mindset and the, the sort of culture of our remote teams and working with them, pulling information from them about their strengths, about their frustrations, about their ideas that they've got and then pausing and reshaping those until we push and communicate back our plan so that they feel that they're engaged in it and that they feel that it's well-timed and well-positioned to move forward. If we just are directive and force people through change, especially when they're feeling under pressure, then they just won't be aligned to our plan and they'll fall away or just drag their feet. What we need is to people to feel like They've got an emotional share in the way the vision and strategy has been shaped and that they're going to contribute as it feeling like their plan. So you can hear Kumar's quiet confidence in himself that he doesn't need to shout and dictate that this is going to be how it is. He'll present ideas in a respectful way to each individual, some with more positivity and patience and with us, others, it might be more direction and more urgency, but ultimately 
we can't play for the players. They've got to be able to find their own solution, work together in little units, and they've got to find their own way to own their performance and deliver under pressure. So as I sit watching the 2021 edition of the IPL, I can't help but reflect back to that time in April 2008 when Shane Warne and his band of men won that inaugural tournament. It was such a special time. I think the IPL has completely revolutionised cricket. I think the innovation and the risk-taking and the ability to think clearly under pressure has improved massively during this period. I think the idea sharing that's come across from different international players being mixed together in the t- same team has been incredible as well. And it's brought so much um, you know, extra thought and understanding to the players. And I'm sure that as well as the financial side, the players' skills and careers have developed massively as a result of being involved for the years that they've been going. So I really hope that this edition can go safely and that the players all return back to their homes in good shape. So I just want to say that if you're listening to this podcast from India, please stay safe. Keep wearing your mask and washing your hands. You'll have heard these messages over and over, but we all need to stay disciplined with these basic factors. The UK has experienced some really tough periods of lockdown ourselves, but that reduced personal contact really seems to have halted the virus. So like many, I'll be watching the news to say how things develop, but please stay safe and look after your families. And let's hope that the cricket can follow in Pat Cummins' footsteps and be a force for good and really help India through this challenging time. So please do go to Sporting Edge for any more information on all the programmes and the membership that we offer. I really hope that you've enjoyed today's podcast, reflecting back on some of the stars that have been involved in the IPL over the last 13 years. And I wish you all a great couple of weeks until we meet next time in your own businesses and your own life. So take care and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Inside the Mind of Champions. Connect with Jeremy's LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram links in today's show notes to receive the latest insights from his work. If you'd like to get access to Sporting Edge's digital library or book Jeremy for a conference speech or webinar, then please visit www.sportingedge.com or email hello at sportingedge.com.